I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at CDDNFL on Twitter, and of course follow the group, at UK Packers. And as usual, for the last while, it's me, myself and I. So I will have a fan of the week, and in fact it's kind of a legend of the week. It's Mr. Tom Coles, he's going to be up. Uh, But before we get on to that, and again I'll try to keep them short and sweet, because A, it's the off-season, and B, it's just me, so I don't want you to get sick of my voice. But uh, there's one thing really that I want to address before we get to Tom, and that's this Greg Jennings, Mike McCarthy comments. Now, this is a weird one because it's kind of like the Arsene Wenger thing, and apologies to the Americans if you're not abreast with you know Premier League soccer, where you have a coach who's very successful. Um, you know, better the devil you know, in a way, is that... Look, and again, I'm you know, don't want to be insulting anybody out there by comparing Mike McCarthy to Arsene Wenger, but it's where you have a successful coach, yet people are still calling for his head because they go through patches where, let me just say, they you know he doesn't meet expectation. Let me phrase it that way. Um, so let me start off just by talking, you know, giving you what Greg Jennings said, trying to put that into perspective, and then. I was going to try to break it down, okay? So, Greg Jennings is on this bullshit program. He's gone into this media job. And instead of, you know, going into something that's a reputable program and giving top quality analysis, he's went and spent a lot of his time doing the rounds talking about, you know, who he'd prefer, whether it's Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and all this kind of childish stuff, right? Now, I had him on the podcast and I spoke to him and he struck me as kind of a clever guy. I've seen him in the media. He seems like a clever guy. Um, You know, he seems like a family man. I respect him for that. He was a good player for the Packers. I respect him for that. And I do understand that he's in the media now. He's, He's in a different sphere. So he's going in and he has to make a name for himself. Every Tom, Dick and Harry who, you know, comes out of the NFL thinks that they can just step into a media role. Um, most notably on this side of the pond, we had Cecil Martin, um, who again probably is effectively, you know, he's not he's not the best known player in America, let's say, but he's an absolutely great guy, really lovable guy over here. And when I spoke with Kevin Cadle, who was the lead anchor for the NFL UK Sky program, he'd alluded to the fact that you know when Cecil started, he he thought that he could come in just because he was an NFL player, you know. He played in the game. He could give his perspective on it. But he got better then over time by doing his research and all the rest. Now, I think Greg Jennings is is very articulate. But he has the opportunity to, to bring his experience by being in the game and speaking about that. Yet, it seems to be all of this kind of trashy, like, oh, which quarterback would you prefer? You know, it just seems a bit juvenile, to be fair. So anyway, let me get on to his comments so we can, you know, hash it out. He said, I'm just going to flat out say it. If we had a lead, our issue wasn't the defense. Our issue was Mike McCarthy. He would cuff us. When you watch New England play, when they have a lead, they go for your throat. They don't relax. They have a great quarterback. They have arguably the best quarterback in football, but they have, no doubt about it, the best head coach in football. So, it's a weird one because... Online, some people are coming out saying, oh, well, Greg Jennings has just called it how it is. And then you'll have people coming out just spouting shite saying, oh, the guy's an idiot, uh, you know, and discounting that, right? So, look, I can see the arguments for both sides. You know, like, we haven't been exempt here to when stuff is going bad to, to feel frustrated like every fan does. You know, when you look at the talent that we have, you look at... And I know everyone... And I think that's really lazy journalism too. And kind of lazy fandom that we all fall into by going, well, we have Aaron Rodgers. Look, that's not enough sometimes. It's... He's the... In my belief, anyway, he's the best quarterback to ever play the game. But Super Bowl wins are a team stat, not a quarterback stat. You can't get there on your own. There's enough quarterbacks in the annals of history who could have been absolutely fantastic, but won Jack because... They just didn't have the teams that were up for it. You know, not to mind an explosive offense. They might have lacked a running game. They might have lacked every player. So, look, I can get what he means by, 
you know, you sort of want to stand on their throat and do this, that, and the other, but... And it's a nice little buzzword, and it's very simplistic for fans to understand, but there's an awful lot more behind the numbers than just, oh, he takes his foot off the gas, and there's reasons why that's done. You know? Now, if you look at it in the criticism of Dom Capers, and people say, it's not Mike McCarthy, it's Dom Capers. Yeah, but Mike McCarthy is the head coach. If you feel that Dom Capers is the issue, well, then it's up to McCarthy to correct that and or get rid of Dom Capers, if that was the issue. So I don't think you can give Mike McCarthy a free pass on the Dom Capers defense argument because he's the head coach. And he even said this year that he's going to stand by him the same way as kind of people equated that he stood by Mason Crosby to give him a second chance. Look, that's up to Mike McCarthy. If he wants to make that, you know, roll the dice on that, if he feels that what it is and that he was underperforming, but he's going to stick with him, then he takes that risk as a head coach. And if he gets called into criticism for it, he has to stand over that criticism that I get now to put Greg Jennings comments into perspective here is that this is a guy who's on a program who's trying to make a name for himself he's trying to create news it's a slow off season some of the stuff gets blown in a proportion you know a player will fart and it'll hit the headlines uh, farted in the uh, you know a restaurant with his family you know like or this guy went out and he was in a sweet shop with his daughter and sneezed you know like this there's, there's always some sort of off-season bullshit story that comes out and this kind of falls into another one as if this is a massive scandal so a you have to kind of respect what greg jennings is saying to even put any weight on this if you see him as kind of an attention grabbing guy like skip bayless well then why why do you care all right if you think he's a fool why do you care so interestingly enough there's been some articles that have kind of agreed with him and said that oh well he's just saying how pack nation feels all this time and I don't know if that's true. And some of the comments under some of this stuff has been pretty hilarious as well. So on an article on acmepackingcompany.com written by Chris Burke, it was interesting because he sort of said, well, you know, Greg Jennings has gone around, to, well, this is me anyway, Greg Jennings has gone around talking shit and now he's actually said something. He phrases it, you know the saying, sometimes even a blind squirrel finds a nut. So he's kind of saying like he has a point. And this is his argument. He says that in the week three game against Detroit, the Packers were up 31-10 and they won the game 34-27. So, you know, they're up 21 points and they win it by a smaller margin. Okay. Week five at Chicago, Green Bay are leading 27-10. And then he says, and against Matt Barkley. And then they, they only won 30-27 uh, by, you know, some dynamite play by Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson late on in the game. Then he says that the divisional playoff game at Dallas, we led 21-3 and that they hung on then and won 34-31. And he says, you know, because of the clutch throw by Rodgers setting up the field goal for Mason, Mason gets the ball over, which we're going to talk about with Tom Coles later. So look, they're all games from this season that he says, you know, we were up large points and then McCarthy went and played conservative and, you know, the, the fans are cursing them over it and they just barely eked a win. Is it a massive surprise to anyone that there's a thing called clock management? And do you really think that if you're up that much and you put your foot on the gas, like Bill Belichick does, and you get a player injured, that your head's not going to be on a chopping block at that point? Look, devil, look, you're, you're cursed if you do and cursed if you don't, really. Look at the amount of injuries that Gronk has had because he puts his body on the line. Uh, you know, Martellus Bennett, when he played with the Patriots last season, also picked up injuries. So the Patriots do pick up injuries and... Some of that is down to the fact that, you know, every player in for every play and they try to stand on your throat and run up the score. Now, some people have said that Mike McCarthy does it because he wants to be respected by his peers. He wants to show sportsmanship and not stand on someone's throat when, you know, they're up 31-10. And who knows if that's the reason? You know, I mean, the argument doesn't really fit and I'm pretty sure... Mike McCarthy lives in the same world that we do. Bill Belichick is one of the most respected coaches of all time. He's one of the most winningest coaches of all time. He's quoted as being the best coach of all time. Yet he's renowned and notorious for running up the scores on people. So does it really impact someone how they're respected if that's what they do? No. So do you really think Mike McCarthy's not going to do it for that reason? If he sees an exact point of Bill Belichick doing it, seen as a legend. He doesn't do it because he thinks he's going to be seen differently. I don't think so. And another one that really pisses me off is that the number one game that I've seen online everywhere is the fact that they, they talk about this loss to the Seahawks 
in the NFC Championship game is if that had something to do with the fact that Mike McCarthy was playing conservative. Look, it's a road game against one of the best defences in the NFL. People keep saying like, oh, he was kicking field goals instead of just trying to run it in from short distances. Look, you have to assume, right, that Mike McCarthy knows way more than we do. And if you can't get it on the first three downs, why go for it on fourth down as if somehow the magic is just going to happen? No, you're giving the ball back to a team with a dynamic offense who are playing well and that we look, we were underdogs in their stadium. So you get the points while you can. If you'd lost by two points, three points at the end of the game, People would have said if he just would have kicked the field goal instead of trying to be a hero. I mean, he didn't get it on the first three down, so why did he try and four down as if something was going to happen? So again, like, damned if you do and damned if you don't. My opinion as a fan, and as, I don't know if you want to call me an analyst, would be is that you take the points where you can get them. Especially when it comes to fourth down. Some people keep thinking that fourth down is just a given. You know, it's just like any normal down. No, you turn the ball over. And if you're not successful on the first three, well then, you know, it's squeaky bum time when it comes to the fourth, you know. Anyway. And when you look at that game, it's like what they say about a plane crash. That a plane doesn't crash because the wing falls off. A plane doesn't crash for one reason. It's a calamity of errors, one after the other. And with the, you know, safety mechanisms that are on planes now, about five, I think it's, was it, five or eight things has to happen in a row? And not be handled correctly for a plane to go down. Apologies if you're listening to this on a plane by any chance. But anyway, just relax. Because the pilot has to get pissed drunk. The the you know wing has to fall off. The engines have to fail. The wheels have to fall off. You have to get hit by a bolt of lightning at the same time. But look, that game came down to the onside kick. The ridiculous two-point conversion. You know... It's broken coverages. It just, there's about, I'm not going to get into them now, but there's about a billion things that happen in that game on the defense where they just crumbled. Now, you can say, oh, it's because of the conservative play calling by McCarthy. Look, there's a thing called clock management and people get murdered over it all the time. When you're winning, and if you're winning by a bigger margin, you lower the probability of that other team coming back and making a comeback and winning if you shorten the amount of time that they have in possession of the ball. On top of that, more crazy stuff happens at the end of a game like what happened in that game because the team who are losing have to go to incredible measures to try pull off some type of luck that's beyond skill. They throw the ball up when they shouldn't. They make plays when they shouldn't. They fake field goals when they shouldn't. They, you know, they fake punts when they ordinarily wouldn't. All of this stuff, they pull everything out of the bag to just throw caution to the wind. And when you're playing up against someone as reckless as that sometimes... Crazy stuff can happen, and that's exactly what happened in the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks, and it also happened in this Super Bowl that just happened between the Patriots and the Falcons. You know, coming down off a, off a tip pass, and the, you know, he catches it on top of them. All of this crazy stuff happens, so you're more inclined for to get beaten on just a bizarre play when the other team is desperate. It's the same thing that happens when a premiership team who really needs to win come up against a team who has nothing to play for. They're either already relegated or they're safe. They don't care anymore. So you're throwing caution to the wind and being desperate trying to bang in those goals. Liverpool famously did it a couple of years ago where I think to win the league they needed to win the game 8-0 or something and they actually went for it. So because they were always attacking, 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 the other team got to counter. Now, again, in that regard, it's kind of counterintuitive and it's the opposite of kind of what I'm talking about where, you know, in in this regard, the Seahawks were attacking, attacking, attacking. But, you know, my point stands is that crazy stuff can happen when people have everything to lose or nothing to lose. It's just, you know, it's not a normal game condition. But anyway, so to look at all of those games from last season, like the one thing that stands out to me is, is that they still won all of those games. Like, oh, Detroit, they were winning by this and then they only won by this. Yeah, they still won. That's the thing about being a good coach. When you look at McCarthy's winning record, do you go back and sort of pick out all the games that he won by a field goal and go, oh, you see? No, a win is a win at the end of the day. Oh, Chicago, they were winning 27-10, then he only won in the last minute thanks to... Yeah, but they still won. The playoff game against Dallas, and we were at the game in Lambeau during the regular season where we got waxed. Then we go to Dallas and we beat them in their home turf by a, just a fantastic field goal that just bended like Beckham. I mean, come on. Still won. 
So, I mean, what are people cribbing and moaning about? And the comments underneath this article were fantastic as well. One guy actually went into all of the the research. Uh, the great Reynaldo, he calls himself. And he says, you know, the pattern is pretty clear. He's listed all of Aaron Rodgers' pass attempts by quarter since 2010. And it shows that, you know, there's the most attempts that he makes is in the second quarter. The second most is first quarter. The third most is third quarter. And then it goes down in the fourth quarter. That just goes to show that we've been so successful in the first three quarters that he doesn't need to throw the ball as much. But then again, like, you can look at those stats and you can look at them any which way. I mean, anything could have been going on. And then another person uh, tries to be sarcastic when someone brings up the Seahawks game and he says, yes, Mike McCarthy is the worst coach in the world. Remember he dropped that onside kick? Remember he played the two-point conversion horribly and let a Hail Mary, you know, escape the pass and the Seahawks picked it up? And remember he played the Niners in the playoffs and he dropped the interception that would have clinched the game? And remember when he didn't tackle Larry Fitz in overtime? You know, like, and he's kind of making a piss take to say, like, lads, you need to sort of calm down here. And then another guy called L.A. Cheese, and I like his style, is saying that, you know, he raises the whole point about, you know, time management. It is an absolute fact, and it's an absolute piss take that Greg Jennings, a guy who's been in the game for as long as he is, doesn't actually understand it. Or goes on that he doesn't understand it, or tries to water it down into some kind of bullshit argument that, uh, oh yeah, he sort of used to cuff us. The amount that you risk by throwing the ball is just compounded when you have a high a big lead and you start doing that stuff because it can go very wrong very fast you throw an incomplete pass the clock stops you give the opposing team more time on the clock the more you throw the ball the more you're likely that you're had you're gonna have an interception now you know you might go oh well you've got aaron Rodgers; he doesn't throw them but yeah look it's like anything else if you drive a car more regularly there's a bigger probability that you're going to be in an accident. But anyway, I think the best way for me to highlight my point would be to look at the accolades that Mike McCarthy has got to date in Green Bay. Green Bay, as we all know, has been called Titletown, is called Titletown. That's a trademark name and we're known for it. We're the most successful team in NFL history. We've had, everyone says, the greatest coach in history for the Packers and maybe in the league ever. If they can look past the recency bias of Bill Belichick, or maybe it's not bias at all, is they go to Vince Lombardi. And some of the stuff that I'm going to run through now will show you that McCarthy beats out Lombardi. So what does that mean? So these facts come from a fantastic document that the Packers put up. So they put up these sort of cheat sheets every week, and they put up a brilliant one to end the season. So I just sifted through it and pulled out some of the just mind-blowing stats that have to do with Mike McCarthy. And some of it even blew my mind. It's stuff that we already know, but we need someone to verbalize first. So let me run down through them real quick and tell me if Mike McCarthy should be coming under fire for taking his foot off the gas, for maybe protecting his players, for not doing unnecessary, taking unnecessary risks, for excellent clock management. So here they are. Green Bay finished a regular season with six consecutive wins. We all know that we ran the table becoming the only team in the NFL to have a winning streak of four-plus games in each of the last eight seasons. The six-game winning streak was the longest to end the season by the Packers since a nine-game winning streak in 1941. And Green Bay has registered at least one winning streak of four-plus games in 10 of Mike McCarthy's 11 seasons. That's madness. McCarthy became just the fourth head coach in NFL history to lead a single franchise to eight plus consecutive playoff appearances. Now, in that same company is Tom Landry, Chuck Knoll, and of course the aforementioned Bill Belichick. The Packers have made the playoff nine times in 11 seasons under Mike McCarthy. Out of the nine playoff appearances, that's the most that a Packers coach has since the NFL postseason began in 1933. Under McCarthy, the Packers have made the divisional round of the playoffs seven times, the most by a Packers coach. More than Lombardi. The 39 points, and this is one that sort of gets me. All of the stuff that we don't run up the score. The 39 points scored by the Packers against the Giants in the postseason 
was the most that the Packers have scored since 2011 when they bet Atlanta 48-21 and it ranks number 5 in team history for the most points scored in a playoff contest with 4 of the top 5 scoring games coming under the direction of Mike McCarthy so whatever you want to say but I'm not running up the score the top 4 of the top 5 scoring games come under Mike McCarthy the Packers have also won an NFL record 10 wildcard games. And Mike McCarthy has got four of the 10. And the Packers are four and two in wildcard playoff games during the McCarthy era. Green Bay is five and five in road playoff games on the McCarthy, with the Packers uh, five wins tied for the second most in the NFL for 11 years. His record of eight regular seasons with 10 plus wins are a franchise record so he's the only coach in green bay history to have eight regular seasons with a 10 plus win record mike mccarthy guided the packers to a franchise record fourth consecutive division title in 2014 in his 11 seasons he's won six divisional titles which ties Lombardi for the second most in franchise history. So again, can you see the amount of parallels he has here with Vince Lombardi? The problem with the Packers and the problem with Mike McCarthy is, is that the expectations are always so high every year that when we don't win the Super Bowl, we're pissed off. What a fantastic position to be in. To support a team that when they don't come and win it all, that everyone gets pissed off. Look, the only the teams that make the playoffs are the best teams in the NFL. Jesus Christ, it's it's stating the obvious, I know. The playoffs are in, almost impossible. When you get to that point, some teams are on hot streaks, some teams you're decimated with injuries. And we're always on the precipice and we're always the bookies favorite to win the Super Bowl. I mean, what a fantastic place we find ourselves in as fans to support a team as good as this under the stewardship of Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy reached 100 career wins in his 155th game. He was the fastest coach to reach 100 wins in the NFL since George Seifert in 1996. Now that doesn't sound great because 1996 to most of us probably seems pretty recent. But that made him the 7th fastest coach in NFL history and the fastest current NFL coach to get to that 100 win mark. Now to give you the list of coaches that are up there with him. Mike McCarthy's number one. Andy Reid is number two. It took him 164 games to get to 100 regular season wins. And Bill Belichick comes in at number three with 177. So Bill Belichick needed 27 extra games than Mike McCarthy to get to that 100 win record. Mike McCarthy's 114 regular season wins in his first 11 years as head coach are tied for the number third spot in NFL history. He's recorded his third regular season with 12 plus wins in 2014, passing Curly Lambeau, Lombardi, Holmgren and Mike Sherman for the most by a coach in franchise history. So Mike McCarthy at this stage is beating out every coach in Green Bay history with these type of records. Yet we still find ourselves in this position where Greg Jennings, who left the Packers, stabbed his teammates in the back went to the Vikings, sucked, dropped out, uh, you know, went on a media binge and is coming out with this, oh, who's, you know, uh, who do you prefer better? You know, who would you want to drive across the country with? I mean, that's what we're looking at here. Mike McCarthy is the only coach in franchise history to post three or more consecutive 10-win seasons twice in his career. Since McCarthy took over in 2006, the Packers ranked second in the NFL in regular season winning percentage second he became just the fourth head coach in NFL history to lead a single franchise to eight plus consecutive playoff appearances and with the victory over Dallas into the 2016 playoffs he's led the Packers to 10 wins in the postseason passing Vince Lombardi and Mike Holmgren for the most in team history Lastly, the 10 postseason wins since 2007 are tied for number two in the NFL with Baltimore and Seattle. And the rest of the NFC North, to put into perspective, has combined for two postseason wins over the last 10 seasons. So Mike McCarthy has shown that he has waxed the competition. So that's why when I talk about in the podcast that, you know, when you look at the rivalry, 
the Seahawks, you know, and the Niners until they just disintegrated have become fantastic rivals for us and it's it's super exciting games and the Bears have dropped off. But that's a luxury that we often didn't have. But Mike under Mike McCarthy, um obviously Brett Favre has a lot to do with it, Aaron Rodgers has a lot to do with it, is that we've completely put the divisional rivals to bed and we've made them oftentimes a complete laughing stock and we've run away with it. So although Greg Jennings, nice little jingle piece, nice little headline catcher, we have to look behind the bullshit and look at the success that McCarthy's had while he's been in Green Bay. And we just have to really enjoy ourselves, you know, counter lucky stars. Now, I'm not preaching to anybody. You just can think what you want. Who am I? I'm only a leprechaun, all right? But, you know, we have to look at how lucky we are to have players like Aaron Rodgers, Mike Daniels, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams is up and coming. You know, we've got Martellus Bennett. We attracted him to the Packers. Clay Matthews, you know, dropped off perhaps, but young talent coming through like Blake Martinez. You know, we've got Mike McCarthy there at the helm. We've got Aaron Rodgers who wants, he says he's at the back nine of his career. And I'm not, you know, I'm going to get on to fan of the week now. I'm not going to delve too much into the ESPYs, but, you know, all that talk about like he's got so many years left in him and he did mention that he wants to share that with Mike McCarthy and go forward. You know, and it's not even a case I don't think now, hopefully after all those stats, that it's better the devil you know. I mean, look how success we have been on the McCarthy and we have to recognize the fact that the playoffs are just insanity you know it's madden turned up to difficulty level ridiculous you know everyone's in with a shot at that stage you know we've picked up injuries and we do struggle with our defense but hopefully we rectified that this season so we're just in a good period at the moment i think between our quarterback our head coach and the fact that the bookies always put us at favorites uh, up there with the patriots up there with the seahawks every single year and yet people still sleep on us if you look at some of the uk fans they gravitate towards the patriots the seahawks you know they go for those big new york teams because they go there on holidays we're kind of lucky in a sense that you know we're consistently great year on year yet we don't get hit with that kind of wave of you know maybe a new fan who's super ignorant to their game super cocky to the game the packers always seem to attract I don't know, just from what myself and Ryan have been seeing online anyway, and from seeing the people in Green Bay, of course, but more so the UK fans just tend to be absolutely fantastic. The Irish fans tend to be fantastic. The European fans, you know, it's sort of birds of a feather, let's say, and it just attracts just fantastic people. Yeah, you'll have a bad egg. You'll have some guy spouting his mouth off. you have some guy, you know, talking some bullshit. But all in all, Pack Nation is just a fantastic place to be and it's a real family sort of ethos. But anyway, that was my rant about just the ridiculousness and the press that Greg Jennings' comments have got. And we'll get on to something a bit lighter now. So we've been talking about Tom Coles for a while. He's a bit of a legend. And now we get the chance to bring you as fan of the week, as legend of the week, Mr. Tom Coles. Meet the fan. Well, I won't go too mental after the dance music because it's a bit weird here on my own in Packers HQ. Uh, I don't have Rhino here to, to take his top off and get a jive going. But look, we've been building this up for ages. We've mentioned this man. He's reached legendary status, and rightly so. Uh, I don't even know if we can call this fan of the week. Maybe it's like legend of the century. I don't know. We're going to have to think of a new name. If there was a UK Packers Hall of Fame, this guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's none other than Tom Coles. Hey, Tommy boy, what's going on, buddy? How you doing, mate? You all right? I tell you what, you've got some reputation here now in UK Packers HQ. You're uh, you're quite the dude. How, how do you feel about your status? You, has it gone to your head? You know what I mean? Are you showing Aaron Rodgers-style cockiness? Or are you keeping it humble like Russell Wilson? What, what are we talking? I must admit, I was fine until the autograph You know, queuing up outside my door. Seriously. Yeah. I yeah. am what I am, you know. Yeah, you're like, I'm a family man. You need to get away from the door. I need to spend time with kids. You know, it's I'm not always on. It is what it is. But come here, Tom, one thing I want to clear up, right? You're known for a legend because, and we'll get on to you being on the batter because let's face it, those stories, you know, are more interesting than us talking about our nine to fives. However, you're, you're the, the man on campus. You can handle the booze. You get the reputation not because you're falling over pissed drunk. You get it because everybody else was falling over pissed drunk. But give us a sense of, like, what's your 9 to 5? What's the Monday to Friday? Because 
I mean, you're you're a super professional dude between the hours of nine to five, but let you out of the cage and dear Jesus, stuff goes wild. Oh yeah, yeah, literally. So yeah, Monday to Friday, I'll work in um, business improvement, and I'm not going to bore you with that. But you know, let me off the leash. Come five o'clock on a Friday, once the family's all you know seen to, yeah, we'll have a beer, we'll see who's around, we'll enjoy it, we'll have a good crack. And I tell you, you fall into that special breed, right? Because usually when lads get a few beers in them you know the lewd comments come out they're ogling women there's none of that with you it's all about the the dudes it's sitting there it's it's you know shot after shot point after point there's no larry lewdness you keep it you know let me just say tom you're as professional in your drinking career as you seem to be in your normal career is, is that fair to say uh there's been moments don't get me wrong <laughs> but yeah, you know, when, when you're with like-minded individuals that are there for one thing mm. there's the only thing that's going to bring it together is football and beer yeah and you know you've got to do both hard Oh yeah. So you know, I'll, I'll buy anybody a beer at any time. We'll have a shot together. It, it doesn't bother me. You know, let's just have a good time. So, and that, that's my mantra with, with stuff like that. So yeah. And uh, is there any? Because Scotty kind of blindsided us during the week. Scotty man, he tweeted this photo of his head to sort of stitches in his head, and he said that he had to have open brain surgery. He almost died. He lives every day yeah. as if it's his last. Tom, any stories with you, or are you just a mad who are all together by nature? Um. Well, I've got plenty of stories, but, you know, I don't think the authorities will let me talk about them right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in, you know, plenty of states, plenty of messes. Yeah. Uh, no broken bones through alcohol, I don't think. Not right. quite. Maybe, maybe a nose, maybe a cheek, but nothing <laughs> nothing all that bad. Right, nothing too major. Just there. Uh, yeah, plenty, plenty of stories. Just but. got your face reconstructed, but, but no near-death uh, experiences from, you know a divine force when you were four years of age that makes you the mad bastard you are you're just naturally a mad bastard i'm just naturally yeah i just like a drink the problem is it's that binge drinking atmosphere as you get it you know the less you drink monday to friday the more you drink friday to sunday oh yeah so and, and that's me you know it's let's have as many beers as we can as quick as we can and, and let's say enjoy it and it don't matter what town you're in don't matter who you're with somebody will always share a beer with you but I tell you, this is like a UK Packers rookie symposium for you know addiction it's it's kind of like you know <laughs> stay off on Monday to Friday but go hard but this is the thing kids if you're listening binge drinking is bad unless you do it really well and then you can become a legend like Tom Coles that, that's all we're saying that's all we're saying but come here uh, Tom the accent where's it from who are you where are you from in the country now I don't have Ryan to translate where it's from so you're going to have to give me a good background here so I am now in William Shakespeare's Sunny Stratford upon Avon. Nice, okay. Been, been here about 25 years or so. Jesus. Originally from the Matt Tisdale's area up Brum and, and Smevic Way. Right. But now we call this place home. Oh, very nice. So you moved away from the Brummies and you're very cultured and stuff. So how often would you go to the theatre now, Tom? I uh, probably <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I think, I think I've been once. Right. You know, in my life took my daughter there a few years back for I think it was um, Romeo and Juliet but no it's I thought you ended up there by accident or something like I went once uh, you know I don't know what happened I blacked out and woke up and they were speaking old Shakespearean to me anything that goes on that long is is not interesting no no you can get a you can get a mistake tattoo done quicker but come here um, so you were a Brummie you headed up to Shakespeare's way in what sort of phase were you in when you became a Green Bay Packer fan? Because I'm pretty sure William Shakespeare wasn't the cheesehead. <laughs> he may have been. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been a Packer, I guess, since about 2006. Okay. Um, I'm a, a soccer player, football player by trade. Yeah. Um, I was looking at years ago for some motivational quotes for our changing room. And, you know, as you do, you, you start looking at on Google and the internet, looking for these kind of quotes. and. Mm find a load from this this guy um vince lombardi his name is right never heard of him yeah and um put these quotes up around our changing room and then literally just went from there really it's like super interesting this guy you know this uber disciplinarian this guy that's just a born winner yeah uh, read somewhere that you know alex ferguson quoted him as the greatest coach and, and literally was like so who is he like he was a, you know packers coach from 59 to 67 you know watched a uh, video on him um read a couple of books and it was like actually you know green bay oh what's green bay you know it's this small town small population iconic just like my you know west brom fan football so it was just the similarities were there <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> except, i guess except the trophies right uh, 
but no, I just over the years, it's just become more of an obsession. The more I've with modern football and West Brom and the Sky era, and the more I guess the exposure's been in England on on NFL and the pack, it's just become yeah an obsession really. Yeah, it's interesting because Tom, every time we have people on, you usually start with a player, uh, you know, or a friend that was a Packers fan. Or yeah. a video game. It's interesting that you got into it from Lombardi. Just out of interest, did the quotes at all help the team? Did you just do well? We actually won promotion that year. Nice. Yeah, we um, we run us up in the league, and we had a, I think we ran us up in the cup as well. But yeah, we got promotion. It was um, I think the guys were like, "What the bloody hell are you doing, Tom?" <laughs> yeah. All these quotes about perfection and you know yeah. winning being a habit and and all those quotes. And but to me, it was like just became obsessed with this guy to start off with and you know I just loved out his mantra and mm. you know obviously you read books then and the, the video you got run to daylight is it the book as well and just all these kind of things I've read over the years have just become you know just such a fascination he's such a great guy mm. um and you know who else has a trophy named after him at the end of the day yeah, I suppose that'll pique the interest. I mean, you're lucky that I wasn't, you know, some type of, what, a, a Bears coach who was pretty inspirational and now the team was crap because you'd end up supporting them. You pretty lucked out that Lombardi, you know, because it was, it was sandwiched in between really poor play in the 80s, you know, early yeah. 90s to come in. So, yeah, you were kind of lucky. So, at what point then, so did you become sort of a casual fan and say, eh, I'm going to support Green Bay and then it became fanatic or did you sort of dive in pretty quick and become a super no, fan? It, 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 as I say, it grew really around mm. about... I guess the year before the Super Bowl, um, I think it was the eight and eight season. We towards the end of the season, I started taking more of an interest and you know looking on Google more and more, as I say, and mm. just culminating me being completely disillusioned with what was going on at the Albion. So it just you know as one went the other way. So the other thing you know having those Twitter accounts, you're in the constant contact with like dipshits, just <laughs> you nuts. Yeah, yeah got pushed away from going to West Brom and, you know, following the side. I still love the club, but yeah. the 11 then obviously really stokes the fire. Mm. And then obviously, I guess again, like most people, as soon as you take that first step into Lambo, you're like, right, I don't need anything else in my life now. My family in the pack and, and that's all I need. Yeah. So talk us through that then. Like, when did you decide that, okay, I want to go over and see a game? When did it go from, you know, watching it on TV, watching it more on TV, buying a few jerseys, a bit of merch? to you putting down some serious coin to go over to Green Bay. Like, did you witness your first game in Green Bay or was it an away game yeah. for you? Yeah, so my first year was the year that you guys pulled over the Chargers. Right, okay. So, I, you know, I wanted to go for like two years and I was just like, none of my mates were NFL fans, none of them. It was just me. So it was just like, you know, I don't mind going place on my own, but it was just always like, well, you know, what am I going to do? The wife obviously didn't want to come. She's like, why would I want to go somewhere cold? <laughs> yeah. Came to a beach. Yeah. Um, so of course, when I saw that on you know Twitter and for you guys, I was like, right, I've got to go. Mm. Um, and then you know, roomed up with somebody, complete strangers. You know, met Dave Skell or Rich Biddle, Charlotte, and you know, Ryan, and, and just just went from there. And obviously, it's just unbelievable. As soon as you sort of you fly in, you're like, wow. And it just it's it's crazy, really. It just feels like feels like home. Yeah. You know, was it what you expected, Tom, though, when you went in? Because surely with a man like you, again, who sort of goes hard, so you're doing the tailgate and stuff, was all of yeah. that what you expected or was it just a, did well, it just blow you away? Well, I could tell you now, right, I, the morning of the game, I was laying in the shower completely <laughs> hammered, right, as my roommate went to the tailgate. He probably thought, <laughs> he probably thought he's not going to make it. Yeah. And then, you know, just a, a quick sort of, wake up a couple of uh, tablets and we're off again and we hard on the okay. but no you know I'll never let beer get in the way of a spectacle don't be wrong you know I know the limit and you'll have a drink yeah, yeah. and you don't want to not miss it so yeah. we had a good tailgate you know got involved in a couple of the, the beer games and you know, just had a real good crack and then all of a sudden it's like wow it's time for the game yeah <laughs> as you're walking up you start to like it all builds up inside you and you can feel the emotion and then you just see it and you're like, holy cow, I'm here. Can you give uh, us course. a sense then, Tom, what it was like going down into the bowl? Had you ever been in a stadium similar to that? I mean, would you have went to yeah, English I, soccer games? No, of course, you know, your stereotypical soccer grounds, they're, you know, they're big squares, aren't they? You've got your segmentation of home fans, away fans, diehards, family stands. And this is just, you know, you've got home fans, you've got road fans, you've got old, young mm. people travelling from all over America. all over. And it was just... 
it's just so nice. You just can't describe it really. Um, it's not a game, it's just that whole event. Yeah. Of course, then you have to fly over the national anthem. And then the thing that made it for me, Aaron Rodgers drove down 80 yards for a touchdown on the opening drive our end. Yeah. And you're like, wow. I just, you couldn't, couldn't write it. And then, of course, the game goes, we win on the fourth down with um, um, Damaris Randall with a pass breakup. And it's like, wow. Yeah. What a game. So, so yeah, so since then, I've, yeah, I've been a couple of more times. So, and I'm going again every year. Yeah, so tell us then, which other games have you been to since then? Because you, you went to an away game in New York, is that right? Yeah, no, I went to the home game last year against the Giants right. in October with my mate from work, who's a Giants fan. So we didn't go out with you guys, just literally went uh, three nights again and just, again, just drank, met a load of people, had a good time. Mm. Really good, but just, just so, so different from that group of like 40 Packers fans that were there for the reason. And then um, I said to the wife, I just need to feel a playoff game. And she was like, yeah, whatever, whatever, okay. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to go to the divisional game, um, sorry, the wildcard game against the Giants, but with it being like early January and work, I couldn't get it off. Yeah. So of course, as we beat the Giants at like half four in the morning, I thought, I've got to go to Dallas next week. So I sort of went upstairs, Joe, Joe's asleep, the wife, and I've gone, whispering around, I've gone, I'm going to Dallas next week. <laughs> Her silence was acceptance, like, there well, you go, knew it. Yeah, she's sort of like, what you, doing, you know, what are you talking about? So literally just went to work that day and just looked at flights, looked at uh, hotels, booked up, flew out on the Friday uh, out to Dallas. And, wow, again, what a game, what a place. Um, but I went on my own and it was yeah. bloody brilliant. It was amazing. And what was the atmosphere like then in the state? Jesus, it must have been... Um, scared. Was it scary? Did, like, oh, is there a difference, was... Tom, between Lambo because it is very friendly, right? You're high five and sort of the you know the yeah. opposite teams player. What what was it like in the in the Dallas stadium? Well, it got up, at one point it got up to 110 decibels. Jesus. So they've got that massive like mega jumbotron in the middle of the, the middle of the stadium, and it's got all that you know fight the fight and raise the roof <laughs> and all that crap because yeah, yeah. they know? need it, right? Because they need it. And uh, finish the fight, that was what it was. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, yeah, it got up to 110, and I'll tell you, it was loud. Uh, but I'll tell you, as soon as that kick went over from Money Crosby, it was definitely quiet. And all you could hear is, you know, the go pack go chance, and it was just like people were chucking their towels in disgust. All these <laughs> I just sat there just so smug. It was, right. it was so smug. But no, it was, it was a, a great place. Again, great people. You've got no, you've not got that tribalism that, yeah. you know, everyone talks to you and, you know, offering your beers and tailgating. I met a couple of Packers fans who lived in Texas and who gave me a lift to the airport after the game and just, just like, it just brings the love even more because, you know, it's just such a, a community. Yeah. Yeah, and so you so you've done a lot. In fairness, like I mean, you've went to a Lambo game, you've went to an away game. Not only an away game, you've went to a playoff game. Is there yeah. like really distinct differences between home versus away and regular season versus playoffs? Because like the the regular season game that you saw, especially against the Chargers, you know, really went down to the wire. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you know, would a playoff away game beat a home Lambo game? No, no. not for me. I think you know, at Lambo it is. It's the people. It's the, the the how the stadium is. You know, it's everything that's yeah. Just brings it so per, you know makes it so perfect. Whereas it's I guess you just look at it a bit differently in terms of the road games. Really, I, it's hard to explain, but they are very different. I can imagine a playoff game at Lambeau was crazy. Oh man! Uh, but being in the minority, you know, uh, at the te- uh, in Dallas, it was just um, it was satisfying more than anything. But I would say to anyone, if you can go and experience a road game with a pack as well, just go and do it. Because, you know, we we did the um, the pet rally the day before and that was brilliant. You know, met a couple of ex-players and, you know, we had Wes Hodkowitz and mm. there. And, you know, just Mark Murphy, you know, said anybody who's travelled the first and like, everyone's gone, he's from England. <laughs> you know, everyone looks at me and I'm like, hi. <laughs> um, but no, it's just... You just got to do it because it's just—it's more—it's not more than the game. Yeah, you know, it's, it's the event, it's the people. As I keep saying, it's—you just got to do it. Yeah, I, I think probably that's what's on the cards for the UK Packers. Maybe as early as next year would be to maybe go away, hit a Lambo game, and then hit an away game, especially if two divisional games are close to each other. Um, yeah. and, you know, to really get that comparison. But Tom, I mean, you're a stalwart with the UK Packers 
Uh, you're a great guy, awesome fun. Um, you know, always standing at the end of the night, despite the fact that you drink pitchers instead of pints. But <laughs> how did you come across the the UK Packers? So you said that none of your mates are NFL fans, and and I want to ask you as well: Have you changed that? And also, yeah, uh, how did you come across the UK Packers then? And you know, what do the UK Packers and all of the guys that you've met really mean to you? Oh, it's crazy. You know, it's gone from me finding you on Twitter, however many years ago, and just never really. I guess talking to you and just watching some of the communication, some of the stuff that you were flying out, you know, that was, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I think we started to talk, I can't really remember how, and, you know, just talking through games really. And then, of course, you sort of your follow account grows and then you start to talk to these guys. And now, you know, I don't think a day goes by where I don't have some kind of contact with whoever, whether, you know, whether it's Jill or, or Matt or Callum Scott, yourselves. Mm. You know, it's just that many people, you, you can't even say them all. Um, so, yeah, again, it's just that community. We have a good crowd. We have a laugh. You know, we're all taking the pill out of each other. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's become just a much bigger part of my life. Um, yeah. And I guess through that, as, as you said at the start, I've got all my mates into NFL now. Right. So my best mate's a Dolphins fan. There's another lad that's a Texans fan. We do have a Patriots fan. He's a Raiders. Yeah, you know, so we're all in, you know, we've got our WhatsApp groups and we talk, we we they come over here and we watch games and you know we have Thanksgiving and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So yeah, it's just it's just grown for me. Uh, I've got my little boy as well who's obsessed. You know, he's got all the jerseys. And... <laughs> nice. So yeah, it's um it's just it's not just every Sunday now. It's it's daily, which yeah. Is great, so. Yeah, that's what we find as well. And that's, you know, after every game, we do this follow train. So we try to get everybody to follow each other because, you know, then if you say something and Dave Scalehorn sees it, then the two of you can chat without you directly contacting each other. And then just the debate yeah. keeps going. It's great. It's become far bigger than I think we expected it to get. You know, we hope that it get that way. But and that's what we're looking to do. So we have a few meetups uh, coming up, Tom, then. So we've Manchester, uh, Dublin, and then we've, of course, week one uh, with the Seahawks. How many of those are you going to be able to make? I'm going to all three. There you go, die hard. So yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to uh, Manchester. Mm. Obviously, going always going out to Dublin's a good crack, as we know. Yep. Um, yeah, topping it off then with four nights in in Green Bay in September, rooming with Scotty and Callum. So um, yeah, it's going to be going to be good. It's going to be plenty of drink, plenty of cheese curds, and you know, I'm hopefully going to go four or no. <laughs> Here's open Jesus, because last time I went over, we got absolutely pasted by the Cowboys. But Tom, look, it's brilliant. If there's an advertisement for anybody who's thinking about going on any of the trips, the number one thing would be Tom Coles is going to be at all of them. So do come along, meet Tom, meet us, and meet all of the people that Tom uh, spoke about. So Tom, it was excellent. It was great to speak to you, buddy. Uh, I know that we probably speak to you daily anyway, but it's great that we've sort of given you a wider audience now uh, on the podcast so people can put a voice uh, to the legend to know that you are a real guy. Um, So we'll top it off. If you just want to tell the people out there what your UK Packers membership number is. Of course, yes. Number 88. And this is usually where we end it, but I'm going to come back in again, right? 88 because of who and why the hell is the obsession there? Can you just tell the people? The Ty Montgomery obsession. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, I guess when we uh, we drafted him, I, I've tried to like keep an eye on a rookie every year, and I, I guess saw Ty, he was a, a kick return specialist, wide receiver at Stanford, sort of got to know, yeah, read about him. And then happened to meet him yeah. uh, at our first trip of Chargers, got his autograph, signed my jersey, got an 88 jersey. Mm. And again, just a nice guy, you know, just took the time to talk, you know, off his sign. But, and it just went from there. Again, it's just like, he's my man. You know, everyone, it's easy to love animals. <laughs> you know, it's easy to love the guy that chucks the ball all over the place. But there's, there's something that makes a, a rookie and, you know, to follow him and, and now look at him. And now everyone's jumping on that train going, he's going to be brilliant. And I'm like, I've been telling you for three years. No, I yeah. didn't see you in a running back, but hey, we'll take it either way. So, so yeah, um, I'll be stalking him, no doubt, at the Radisson uh, in September. Yeah, so uh, shout out then to the Packers. We know Mark Murphy listens and Ty is obviously on his uh, leather couch uh, with his 17 dogs and his mansion listening as well. So do watch out. And we have, um, of course, Charlotte then, who's after Demarius Randall. So, you know, at least some of you should get arrested on stalker charges. But Tom, it was it was great to speak to you, buddy. Uh, we'll see you soon. And you, mate, as always. See you soon, pal. Drive it. What to do? A big shout out to Tom. Look, there's still tickets available for our Manchester meetup. There's still tickets available for our Dublin meetup. That's going to be great. And you can still come on the trip. There's still a guy. There's still two guys that booked in the last week to come to Green Bay for week one. 
the Packers versus Seattle and we also have a Badgers game thrown in there it's going to be absolutely off the charts uh, the title down district is going to be open it's going to be loads of festivities at that and it's just it's mind-blowing anytime you go to Lambeau as you've seen Tom say it's absolutely mind-blowing it beats a playoff game a playoff win at the death against the Cowboys and that's saying something if you want some info don't hesitate to email info at ukpackers.co.uk all the websites or all the details are also on the website so just go to ukpackers.co.uk make sure you follow us on twitter at ukpackers go to facebook and follow us there because there's a good bit of banter that goes on there facebook's different to twitter it's not so fleeting i don't know i don't have to tell you the difference between facebook and twitter but go on leave a comment and it strikes up a bit of banter almost like a forum uh, and when you go to our website actually there's a little chat with us option and you can hit us up at any time that message gets through to us and we can get back to you with any questions you have but certainly facebook dm uh, twitter dm is probably the best place to get us send us an email and look if you have the chance and i say this every week come to one of the meetups you will not regret it and you'll get in with the crew and people do go on their own charlotte as we had on fan of the week a couple of weeks ago she came to green bay for the first time to meet everybody so it can be done definitely do it but i'm gonna sign off uh this week this monday hopefully you enjoyed it uh also i released a history of lambeau field uh which was heavily based on a fantastic article that's on packers.com plus uh snippets that i sort of gleaned from multiple different sources so if you want the definitive history of uh, Lambeau Field you can pop along and read it but if you're in the car or if you're like me the only time you get to to read anything is you know slim and none because you've got kids or busy lifestyles just pop on the podcast listen to it on the train listen to it in the car listen to it when you're bringing the baby out for a walk you know throw it on in the car when you're driving around with the baby because he or she won't sleep and just enjoy it and just notch up on your history but from myself at NFL on Twitter from the group at UK Packers give them all a follow We'll talk to you again on Friday morning.